0: Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be doing a different format of episode than we normally do, but we're going to be breaking down the whole day of college basketball DFS for Saturday, February 10th. We're going to be calling this episode Quick Picks. This is going to be a little bit briefer than what you are used to seeing from me. Um, Basically, you know, All the college basketball content creators out there are going to be talking about the main slate tonight for for this upcoming Saturday. And so what we're going to do, if if you're like me, you play college basketball DFS on Saturdays all day long, not just the main slate, the afternoon and the night slate as well. So we're going to talk about all three slates. However, with it being kind of a time crunch on being able to do the research on a total of like over 50 teams involved in these three slates, Um, we're going to be doing what I call quick picks where... I'm going to just kind of give a quick slate overview. I'm talking like seven to 10 minutes for each slate that gives you guys all the need to know information for the Saturday slate. Um, And, you know, pretty much just give you what you need to know for you know to build successful lineups for each site, and, and if you want more details, um, there are a few places you can get that from me. Remember, you can always follow me on Twitter and reach out there. Join the Fantasy Corner Discord. It's entirely free. Link is in the description. Um, I'll be chatting it up in there all day long, talking picks, talking lineups, talking strategies. Um, if you're looking for people to talk about DFS with, the Fantasy Corner Discord is the place to go. And it's not just college basketball. We talk NBA, golf, and more in there. Link is in the description if you want to join that. And then I will have all my articles on my Patreon for the whole days slates. So uh, if you want to know who actually makes my lineups and how I'm actually going to be attacking once I finally sit down and build, the Patreon is the place where you can check that out, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. All right, now I said I got to keep the episode brief, so I'm going to go ahead and keep the intro brief, and we're going to go ahead and start talking about the 12 p.m. Eastern Time main slate for Saturday, February 10th. Taking a look at the main slate, I do believe that there is one game that stands above all the rest in terms of what game we need to be targeting and centering our lineups around, and that is the Alabama and LSU matchup. Ken has this game projected to be 87-79 to 79 in favor of Alabama, which is a 166-point total, and that is the highest of the slate by quite a substantial margin. And these two teams have actually already played, and in that game, the total was 109-88 to 88 in favor of Alabama, so um, you had over 180 points scored in that one. And um, Um, you know, there doesn't really appear to be any signs of slowing down from either of these two teams. Both these teams play at a fast tempo. Both of these teams give up pretty high assist rates as well. So um, just a lot of fantasy points to go around when either of these two teams are in action, and now they're up against each other. Now, what's interesting enough is that in the first matchup between these two teams, um, Aaron Estrada actually outscored Mark Sears from a fantasy scoring perspective. Estrada had 39.5 fantasy points, whereas Mark Sears only had 33.5 Two five, and real reason why is because the peripheral stats. Um, you know, Sears actually outscored um, Estrada for, for real scoring, but Estrada got more peripheral stats. And if you've been following me all season long, I've said this a few times, but these guys have very similar usage rates. Sears just tends to be more efficient. So there's going to be games where you know Estrada does outscore Sears, and with there being a twenty-two hundred dollar price difference between the two of them right now, I think it's a very savvy game theory play to play Aaron Estrada um, here in this game again. Dallas, you—it might not be this game, but at some point, he is going to outscore Mark Sears, and you're going to wish you have would have played Sears or wish you would have played Estrada over Sears. Now, what's also worth noting is that. Um, the Alabama value plays were just okay in this game. Uh, Latrell Wrightsell was kind of the, the value that you wanted. He was 6 for 12 from the field, put up 26 fantasy points. He was really kind of the the supporting cast guy that you wanted in your lineup in that game. And in terms of like the Alabama deep value plays, um, Sam Walters was actually the guy that you would have wanted. Um, he ended up with 17 fantasy points against LSU in 11 minutes. But with these Alabama guys, though, all the bench pieces, pretty much everybody um, outside of the starting five of Sears, Estrada, Griffin right and nelson pretty much everybody after that plays super inconsistent minutes sees super inconsistent usage so it wouldn't shock me if one of those guys ends up going off kind of like the first game where it ended up being sam walters but that's a situation where i don't think you have to go to by any stretch of the means now on the lsu side what's interesting is um in that first game mike williams was their leading scorer um he had 18 points against alabama or i'm sorry 16 points against alabama but he only ended with 19 fantasy points It's not exactly what we want to see, right? He was putting up nothing in the peripheral stats. Um, And so that kind of makes him like, I don't know, you know, could he have a game where he puts up a lot of peripheral stats? Maybe. Um, Is it also likely that he scores 18 again? Not really. So I don't think he's the best option. Jordan Wright is LSU's best player, Um, he is their go-to guy, Um, and if you're a usage rate truther, he would be the guy that I would go with. He generally takes a ton of shots, he generally plays with a high usage rate, he can put rebounds and assists up in bunches as well. Against Alabama the first time, he was pretty inefficient, 4-for-12 from the field, but I do think he could be due for a bounce back. The big question mark with LSU is the injury of their point guard, Jalen Cook. He is um, questionable for this game, he did not play in their um, last game, and Trey Hannibal got the start and ended up playing 31 minutes and put up 30 fantasy points if Jalen Cook is out Trey Hannibal is probably the easiest click on the entire slate with it being a great matchup and a great game environment and with what he just did in the same exact situation now the rest of the LSU guys are pretty interesting um in the previous meeting between these two teams, um, Jalen Reed, Irel Ward, and Derek Fountain all hit at least 3.5x value with Fountain even being around 5x. And so I think all five or all three of those guys are going to be in play. Will Baker, we've talked about him on the podcast before, that he just has a super high ceiling. He's just not consistent at all. Um, so to me, he could be in play in a matchup that's going to see a ton of points scored. And then um, Mwani Wilkinson. I want to make sure I said that correctly. He played a season high minutes against Tennessee largely due to the injury to Jalen Cook. Um, only put up eleven point five fantasy points, but a salary of thirty three hundred we'd kind of be okay with that, especially considering this game with as, you know as much of a pace up spot as it is. you know eleven point five fantasy points could turn into fifteen really quickly. All right, now let's go ahead and talk about some of the other guards that I like. So this is a slate where you know it's pretty heavy at the guards. Like There's just a lot of solid options. You got Devin Carter as the highest priced guard going up against Butler, and he's just been one of the most consistent players in all of college basketball at the FS all season. You got Tam and Lipsy taking on TCU where we've mentioned them before, where TCU gives up a super high assist rate, and Lipsy has a super high assist rate, so that should be a pretty good matchup and some correlation. Um, but the guy that I want to talk about is Max Acemiss of Texas. Um, he has only a 24% usage rate on the season, which is not what he's used to from his days at Oral Roberts, but he is still getting ton of shot attempts. He's attempted at least 11 shots in every conference game, and against West Virginia the first time, he put up 46 fantasy points. He had 32, um, 3, and 2, which is not like the most peripheral stats in the world, right? Um, but West Virginia is just a terrible defensive backcourt. And I've watched a lot of college basketball this season, and I think I know what to say they are one of the worst defensive backcourts I've seen in in all the games I've watched and so I think Ace as well as Tyrese Hunter should have their way with this backcourt and be able to put up a ton of points keep in mind West Virginia won that first meeting and so I don't think Texas is going to take them lightly I think Texas is going to come out all systems go and and they're just going to be attacking this backcourt with Ace Miss and Hunter. Now, in the mid tier, I do want to mention we do have a little revenge game here on this tier. Um, you know we 've got John or Joseph Gerard of Clemson um, heading to take on his former team in Syracuse and Gerard is coming off of a thirty six or thirty five fancy point outing against North Carolina. I think he will probably be pretty popular because of the narrative and what he just did. but the guy in the mid range that I like at the guard spot is Michi Johnson of South Carolina. Look, we played him a lot, like in the middle of the season when he was like really, really successful back in like December and early January. But he's kind of cooled off since then, and they've switched their starting lineup. South Carolina has to start Colin Murray boyles which has taken away a little bit of the usage from Michi e. Johnson. But he's still playing a ton of minutes. He's still getting a lot of shot attempts. He's still putting up a lot of peripheral stats. He just hasn't been all that efficient from the field. Well. You know, the game against Vanderbilt is just what the doctor ordered for that. Vanderbilt is probably the worst team in the SEC. I think that South Carolina is going to boat race them, and I think they're going to put up a ton of points. And so Michi Johnson should be able to fix his efficiency issues, and if he's still able to put up the same peripheral stats but just make a few more shots, he has a chance to have a big game against the Vanderbilt Commodores. Now, heading down to the low tier, it's honestly kind of ugly. Um, Like, I do think that, um, you know, if – Jalen Cook of LSU is out. Trey Hannibal is probably the easiest value click at guard. Um Jeremiah Williams of Rutgers is a little bit intriguing to me. Um, you know, he's very hyped up prospect and you know he's come in and put up 21 fantasy points in both games so far. And I think there could be something there. Um, But a guy that I want to talk about in low tier is going to be Mason Madsen of Boston College. Um, He's not usually like a super high fantasy score, but there is something that I do think is interesting and worth noting here. Prince Alibe is likely to miss this game. Um, and, you know, he left the last game against Florida State early. In that game, Mason Matson played 21 minutes, which is his most in the last five games, and he put up 22 fancy points, over a fantasy point per minute from the guard spot as kind of a, a corner shooter. Like, it's pretty impressive. And when you look back at his game log against Clemson, Mason Matson played 30 minutes, put up 23 fancy points. The common trend there, that was another game where Prince Alibe missed. So if Prince Alibe misses this game, Mason Matson could very easily be a candidate to go over five or maybe even 6x in this matchup against duke now heading to the forward spot Um, The top name on the board is probably the most intriguing name on the board to me, and that is Jani Broom of Auburn. So he has put up at least 42 fantasy points in three straight games and has shown a ceiling of 55 fantasy points in his last five. He is getting a ton of shots. He is getting a ton of boards. He's also blocked at least three shots in each of the last five games. And Florida, for whatever reason, gets a ton of shots blocked. I don't know why. And so I think that that's kind of a matchup made in heaven. The one concern with Jani Broom is that he generally doesn't play Like 30 plus minutes, but like when you look at his last three games 24, 25, and 26 minutes so he's been able to hit 40 fantasy points even in only 24 minutes. So, what happens if he does happen to play for 30 plus? And you know, in a road game against Florida, they might need him to play 30 plus. So, um, I definitely think that this is a really good spot for him, and I think that that ceiling could be even higher if he does, in fact, play a full minute load if Bruce Pearl will finally pull the trigger. Now, heading down to the mid tier. Um... Before we get there, though, I do want to mention um, Coleman Hawkins against Michigan State is pretty interesting. Um, he did put up 39 fantasy points against them the first time these two teams played. Um, I don't think that's a bad spot particularly for him. Donovan Klingin, um, you know, people might say going up against Georgetown, well, he's not likely to play a full-minute load. Well, look at his game log. Donovan Klingen never plays a full-minute load. Um, so I think there's a ton of upside there in a very juicy matchup against Georgetown, and I can't see his minutes getting cut that much. Um, on the side, I love PJ Hall and um, Ian Schefflin taking on Syracuse. Um, you know, Syracuse is not a great rebounding team, and, and Ian Schefflin is one of the best pure rebounders in the business right now. PJ Hall is a guy who can put up fancy points in a ton of different ways. I think that is a spot you can definitely attack. But interestingly enough, I think there's a way you can attack this game on the other side. So Syracuse dismissed Benny Williams from the team um, about a week ago, and. Chris Bell got the start in their most recent game against Louisville. Played 33 minutes, put up 11 shots, was eight for ten from three, and put up 44 fantasy points. And what's interesting is, I think the type of contest that you're playing can determine, you know, kind of how you deal with Chris Bell. Um, and the reason why I say that is, I think a lot of sharp people out there are going to be say, "Oh, don't chase Chris Bell. He just had a ceiling performance. Don't chase that." But you know, 44.5 fantasy points not happening again. He's not shooting eight for ten from three again. Yada yada yada. Right. I think that a lot of the you know less sharp lobbies out there, maybe like you know the the smaller entries, um, you know um, maybe some single entry stuff that's low dollar. Like I think that a lot of people might decide to chase it. I am on the side of I'm willing to chase it, but I'm not expecting the same result. So here's what I mean by that: um, He doesn't need forty four fantasy points to to hit value, and he was only priced up to sixty one hundred dollars. If he just gives you seventy five percent of that and puts up 30 fantasy points like that's a really solid outing for chris bell right and really at the end of the day Instead of going eight for 10 from three, say he goes four for 10 from three, that puts him right at 32 fantasy points. And that's still what you want is a salary of $6,100. So I think the chance is definitely there. It's definitely a situation to monitor going forward. I do think you will see increased usage from Judah Mintz as well as Quattier Copeland when in this Syracuse situation, but Chris Bell is definitely a way you can attack it from the Syracuse side. Now, outside of the LSU bigs value, um, another value play that I do like at the forward position is Jack Clark of Clemson. Um, Remember when he was at nc state he was a really solid player he started for them played a ton of minutes really good rebounder well he finally started to show that against north carolina he got the start played 33 minutes put up 18 fantasy points at 4200 that's all we're asking for if he's going to play 33 minutes against syracuse he's probably going to put up more than 18 fantasy points all right that does it for the um the main slate so let's go ahead and take a quick breather and then let's transition on over to the afternoon mm-hmm. look now at the afternoon slate I do think there is a clear game to target in this slate as well Um, and for me that would be Gonzaga taking on Kentucky which is a strange matchup for a Saturday in February I don't know how they got to schedule this one but I kind of like it this should be a pretty good game Gonzaga is going to have a chance to really bolster their tournament resume if they go into Rupp Arena and come out with a win Ken Palm has this one projected to be 85 to 82 in favor of Kentucky which is the highest scoring game on the point on the slate with a total of uh, 167 points now for Gonzaga, there's all kinds of ways you can attack with this team, but here's the bottom line. They've gone to a bigger starting fight where they start Ben Gregg um, Anton Watson and Graham Ek all together, where they kind of play Anton Watson at the three, and I think this is kind of a nightmare for Kentucky. Kentucky is not built to play against three big bodies like this, um, and, and I don't think that they're going to be able to match up with all this size. I think Anton Watson, you know, playing primarily the three, could have a massive ceiling game, which he has shown a massive ceiling this season with 54 fantasy points earlier this season against Santa Clara. He is generally a very efficient player from the field. He generally puts up a ton of peripheral stats and in. Pace up spot against Kentucky. He's the guy I want to get to the most. Now Hickman and Nemhard are kind of interesting because Hickman is priced above Nemhard, but like Every time I watch them, I just have this perception that Nemhard's the better player. And then when you go look at the game log, you kind of realize that Hickman has kind of been picking on the bottom dweller teams, having his best games against the worst teams in the West Coast Conference, whereas Ryan Nemhard has been at his best, you know, in non conference play when Gonzaga had some tough competition and against the better opponents as well. So um, I do think that Nemhard would be the guy I would rather have. He rates out better um, and at a cheaper price. He's, you know, barely a cheaper price. He is the guy that I would prefer over Nolan Hickman. I do think you can play E.K. and Greg as well as the other two starting forwards for this Gonzaga team. Um, and then Dusty Stromer's is probably going to be needed off the bench a little bit. Um, you know, he played 31 minutes against Portland, but that game was a blowout. So I don't know how much you can put into that. But his minutes and usage definitely declined when he moved to the bench in favor of Ben Greg. Now on the Kentucky side. Everything revolves around their injuries. All right, is Trey Mitchell going to play and is DJ Wagner going to play? Well, if Wagner does play, to me, he messes everything up because right now you're looking at Dillingham, Reeves, and Shepard, who are all priced up after how well they've played in the absence of DJ Wagner. And so, if Wagner does play none of those guys are playable to me simply because they 're not going to play the same minutes they 're not going to see the same usage, and they just don 't have the same upside if wagner 's going to be in the rotation, like we've talked about with Dillingham and Shepard all season long. they have incredible usage rates, um, you know Dillingham with his shot rate, Shepard with his you know peripheral rates and the assists and rebounds, but they never played a ton of minutes because Kentucky just had so many guards, and without Wagner. Dillingham's played over 28 minutes in all three of those games. He's put up over 33 fantasy points in all three of those games. And so I think that he's a really, really solid play if Wagner continues to be out. The one who's affected the least by it is Antonio Reeves, who will start, you know, through hell or high water, pretty much. Um, and then Reed Shepard, again, you know, 49, 35, and 27 fancy points in the three games without DJ Wagner. So um, to me, Dillingham and Shepard are my priorities if Wagner is in fact out. And if Wagner's in, I think they're almost untouchable. Now, the forwards, if Trey Mitchell is out, what you saw last game was Big Z, um, Ivisic, Zvon, Zvonimir Ivesic. Um, I'm just going to call him Big Z. He played 12 minutes. He got the start, put up 23 fantasy points against Vanderbilt. And who's to say that he wouldn't play more minutes if that game were closer? So um, I do think Big Z has a little bit of upside sitting there at 5K, especially if Trey Mitchell is out. Aaron Bradshaw also had a really good game without Trey Mitchell, only played 19 minutes against Vanderbilt and put up 20 fantasy points. I don't really know how much we can put into that game though because of the fact that it was Vanderbilt and it was a blowout and you know who's to say that neither, either of those two guys would have played boosted minutes I don't know and I'm not going to speculate on that. Thierro also got the start at the power forward spot against Vanderbilt played 18 minutes only put up 14 fantasy points you gotta like him if Mitchell is out again because again you gotta expect that he's going to play more minutes than that game against Vanderbilt. All right now looking at the slate as a whole There are definitely some guards at the top tier that I like. Tyler Kolick has absolutely torn up St. John's in his career um, and I would expect him to do so again. R.J. Davis has been shooting more than pretty much anybody in the nation right now. Um, He's had over 22 shots in three of his last five games and that could could continue against a Miami team that's going to be a pace up spot for them. So I kind of like R.J. Davis as well. But The guard that I want to focus on and zero in on is going to be D.J. Horn of NC State. I think this NC State weight game is one of the Better um, game stacks of the slate. You know, Ken Palm has it projected for 149 points, but the last time these two teams played, it went for 159 in an NC State victory. And in that game, DJ Horn put up 32 fantasy points, um, and he put up a 33% usage rate in that game, taking 19 shots. So clearly, NC State thinks that their way to attack Wake Forest is by. By using DJ Horn, and I buy it, and I think he's going to be a guy who could have a massive ceiling if he has those same number of shot attempts and that same usage rate against Blake Forest again. Now heading down to the mid-tier, my favorite play is going to be Bryce Williams of Nebraska. Look, Michigan, Michigan is just a team that hands out fantasy points like candy. And Bryce Williams is a guy who can accumulate fantasy points in bunches because of all that he does in his peripheral stats. Last game against Northwestern, you know, they Nebraska only put up 68 points as a team. Bryce Williams only took seven shots, but because he got a double, double added in some assist as well, put up 34 fantasy points. Like he just has such a wide pathway to scoring because he is a legitimate triple double threat. And um, he's a guy that against Michigan, I could see him putting up just a ton of numbers, and I think the upside is massive for Bryce Williams. Now, heading on down further, I'm going to stay in the same game. Actually, Before I get back to that, the Carolina-Miami game is an interesting one to stack. Um, You know, We don't know about the injury status of WooGa Poplar or Keyshawn George for Miami, but last year Jordan Miller really tore up Carolina, and the Jordan Miller role on this Miami team is filled up by Matthew Cleveland now. Against Virginia, the entire Miami team struggled, um, so I'm not going to put too much stock into that, and I will buy the dip on Matthew Cleveland and and hope that he's able to repeat the success Jordan Miller had against North Carolina. Now, um, getting away from that game, the value play of the slate, in my opinion, is going to be Jalen Llewellyn of Michigan. It's pretty simple. Doug McDaniel, for whatever reason, is like not playing in road games right now. It's his weird suspension. It's like he's on house arrest. But... I don't know. It's a strange suspension. But anyway, Jalen Llewellyn during that suspension has been fantastic in the games that McDaniel has missed. You know, at a salary of only $4,600, Llewellyn has put up 23 and 22 fantasy points in those two games. He's taken a combined 21 shots in those two games, scored a combined 34 points in those two games. So I really like Llewellyn with McDaniel being out of the lineup, and I think that this spot against Nebraska is not a bad one from a fantasy scoring perspective. Now heading to the forward position, like... In terms of like the top of the board, it's absolutely stacked. you got Hunter Dickinson taking on a Baylor team that is not exactly great at defending centers. You've got Armando Bacot and Harrison Ingram going up against the small ball Miami side. I really think the, the recipe is there for a Harrison Ingram ceiling game. He tends to have better games against teams that play small ball power forwards. Um, and so I think that this could really be a solid spot for Harrison Ingram. Um, and his rebounding rates are just outstanding. It, I definitely think he's a candidate for a double-double. Um, And then heading from there, Iguodaro and Soriano going against each other. I kind of would tend to think that one of them is going to have a huge game. Nafali Dante is a very interesting option at 8,000. We know he has a massive ceiling. We know he's playing a ton of minutes. And for whatever reason, he's just not taking like as many shots as we would like to see. Um, In the 7K range though, I really like Julian Reese. You know, you look at his game log and there's like one dud but other than that, he's been absolutely outstanding. Over 36 fancy points in four of his last five. The usage rate is there. He's a great rebounder. And Ohio State is very soft in the interior. So I really do like Julian Reese in that matchup. But heading down officially to the mid tier, um, my favorite option is going to be Jawan Roberts of Houston. Look, we've seen the Cincinnati team get absolutely battered by big men, whether it's Deron Holmes of Dayton, Dylan DeSue of Texas. Like bigs can really go off against this Cincinnati front court, and I think that it's going to be Jawan Roberts' turn here. Um, you know, on this Saturday, he's shown a fifty point upside with you know fifty three against TCU. Um, he's also had two thirty two or more fantasy point games in his last three. I really like Jawan Roberts. If you're not feeling him I can dip right below it to Jalen Wells of Washington State who's turned into a really successful player for them taking at least 14 shots in the last three games and has put up over 33 fantasy points in two of those three games so I like Jalen Wells as well here in the mid-tier now the low tier is where it gets kind of ugly at $5,600 you have Jalen Graham and like nothing is certain with this Arkansas basketball program right now absolutely nothing Um, but here's the thing They still got to send five guys out there and Trayvon Brazil still hurt. And Jalen Graham has played 26 and 30 minutes in the last two games, and he's put up 31 and 32 fantasy points in those two games. So if he continues to play minutes, which somebody's got to play minutes, I kind of like his you know, ability to get to that 30 fantasy point upside. And I do think Jalen Graham is probably my favorite you know 5K play uh, among the forwards on this slate. Now, heading down into the 4K and below tier, I'm going to go back to that Wake Forest NC State game. Muhammad Diar is a guy that tends to see extended minutes against teams who play bigger lineups because DJ. Jay burns is not a great defender and in that wake forest game diara played 25 minutes and he was ejected from that game so it could have been even more and he put up 27 fantasy points while only taking four shots so um, i do like the upside of muhammad diara in that rematch against wake forest all right that does it for the afternoon slate so let's take another quick breather and then let's finish this up with the night slate Now, taking a look at the night slate, I'm gonna do this one a little bit differently than I have um, the previous two slates because this one is like the ultimate non game stacking slate. And so here's what I mean by that. Like, just, I don't really see a game environment from any of these 10 that I'm eager to play like three or four players from. It just, it, it's weird. I, I don't see one game environment where I just wanna stack it up like I do with, you know, the earlier, the afternoon slates, or, or really most nights. So, and kind of go quickly game by game and kind of tell you what you can expect from each game and, you know, who you can target from it. So Oklahoma State is currently dealing with an injury to Bryce Thompson. He is out for the rest of the season. And, you know, the question becomes, can you trust the value from Oklahoma State? Well, John Michael Wright, Quion Williams, and then... Um, Keller, what's his first name? Jamir Keller. Um have all, you know, played boosted minutes in that, you know, stretch without Bryce Thompson. But I don't really know how much you can trust it. And I don't really know how much you can go by that most recent game against Houston where they just kind of got boat raced and, and, and didn't really have a whole lot of offensive success at all. But there could be some value on that Oklahoma State side. Washington is a team that we love to target against because they are very soft on the interior and they play at a fast pace. But unfortunately, Oregon State is one of the most inconsistent teams in the nation in terms of who they play and how they play them and, and their usage rates and who's scoring and who's starting and whatnot. It looked no further than Casey Abiquay, who you know was pretty much left for dead and then played 27 minutes, put up 26 fantasy points against Washington State. So I just don't really know what to do with this Oregon State team, but I do think there could be something there. If you're playing enough lineups, you can probably get To a few of these guys, simply because Washington is such a great matchup. Indiana and Purdue is probably one of the better game stacks of the day. Um, Kalel Ware for Indiana might not play, and whether he plays or not, you gotta love Zach Eady. Kalel Ware is a pretty solid defender, and going up against him in the first game, Zach Eady put up fifty-three fantasy points. And so, um, you know, if Kalel Ware is not there, what's Zach Eady gonna do? I don't know, but I definitely think there's a chance he gets back to that fifty-three fantasy points number. The Purdue guards Smith, Jones, and Lawyer got to always be in your player pool because one of them, you know, has a chance to go off pretty much every single slate. Even though Lance Jones is getting a massive price increase now, and I, I don't like that. On the Indiana side, if Ware is out, you will see boosted minutes to most likely Anthony Walker, but possibly Peyton Sparks. We've seen it one of two ways with this team, and you don't really know which one it's going to be. Um, Xavier Johnson is also questionable. That would give a big use usage bump to Trey Galloway, and also Anthony Leal would be a candidate to see boosted minutes. Um, I was wrong on him in the Penn State game. Um, Like, you know, I kind of tried to tail his Iowa game against Penn State, and and he put up a dud, but then he comes back and plays 25 minutes against Ohio State and puts up 24 fantasy points. So with this Indiana team, if Ware and Johnson are going to be out, there's a ton of value with, you know, um, Galloway being a candidate for boosted usage, Leal going to see boosted minutes, and then Walker or Sparks going to see boosted minutes as well. Virginia and FSU. Look, Miami only scored 36 points against Virginia. What makes you think FSU is going to do a whole lot better? Pass. Arizona State against Utah. Arizona State, we've talked about them a few times now. They tend to have one guard that goes off, whether it's Collins, Neil, Perez, or Miller. Um, you know, just take your pick. I don't know which one it's going to be. You probably don't either. It's okay. If you want to, if you're playing enough GPPs, playing enough lineups, put some of them in there. Um, now what I do like about Arizona state is Sean Phillips jr. He is their seven footer and he tends to play more against bigger teams. Like when he played against Colorado, 17 minutes, 16 fantasy points. First matchup against Utah, which they're a bigger team. They have two seven footers in Carlson and Lovering, 15 minutes, 19 fantasy points. If Sean Phillips jr. is able to get to 20 minutes in this game, he's likely a candidate to get to five X at that sour of 4,700. And then on the Utah side, you got to love Mr. Triple Double Davon Smith. Um, You know, just incredible upside from this guy. A salary of $8,900, which is expensive, but he's probably the best guard option on the slate, all things considered, in my opinion. Now, Mississippi State taking on Missouri. I like the Mississippi State side in this one. Talou Smith, outstanding rebounder, great rebounding rates. And, um, you know, we like to target him against poor rebounding teams. And Missouri is one of them. He just put up 40 fancy points against Georgia in a very similar spot. Now, DJ Jeffries is also out. We saw boosted minutes for Sean Jones in that most recent game. Played 33 minutes, put up 20 fancy points, which might not sound like a whole lot. But he's only $5,000, and he was 2 for 11 from the field in that game. So what if he's 5 for 11? And he puts up 27 fancy points. It's a very real possibility. And so Sean Jones is a guy that will be making my player pool for that reason. Keyshawn Murphy also saw a little bit of a boost without Jeffries. Played 15 minutes and put up 17 fancy points. I think he's a little more riskier than Sean Jones is, however. On the Missouri side, Sean East may or may not play. Um, it Really didn't change a whole lot for the rest of the team, though. This is a team that, with Dennis Gates, the last two years they played a super inconsistent rotation. They're very difficult to trust, and that has you know kind of held true the entire season. But Nick Honor is the guy that saw the biggest boost without Sean East last game. He played 39 minutes against Texas A&M, took 16 shots, put up 26 fantasy points, and I think that Mississippi State is a slightly better matchup for him than Texas A&M is. So Nick Honor would be a guy that I would definitely have to consider if Sean East is in fact out for this game. Um, and then another guy that did play a few minutes is Kurt Lewis. He played 27 minutes against Texas A&M. Um, only put up 10 fantasy points, but you know I've kind of said this a few times on this episode. He's only 3,700 hours. So if he plays 27 minutes and puts up you know 15 fantasy points, you're going to be ecstatic at only 3,700 hours. So I definitely think there's a chance he will be making some of my lineups as well. Kansas State and BYU is not really all that interesting of a game because neither of these two teams wants to play excessively fast. Tyler Perry is now Kansas State guy, though. Um, after that 42 fantasy point performance against Kansas, there's no doubt about it. And then Fusani Troy, a.k.a. Foos, as they call him at BYU, he's a guy that I love for BYU. Um, you know, put up 45 and 28 fantasy points in their last two games, is back in the starting lineup. He was projecting to be their best player in the preseason, and now he's finally starting to look at it after he's fully recovered from injury. So at only $7,100, I love Fusani Troore taking on Kansas State, and that's a front court that can really be had, in my opinion. Boise State and Utah State is interesting because this is a game of stars. I have no interest in getting my value plays from this game, but Gray Osabor is as is, is good as they come. He has multiple ways to put up fantasy points. He also gets dual eligibility, so he's a real versatile piece to put in your lineups. But personally, I would rather pay down to play Traore or pay up to play Zach Eady. He's kind of in a weird range sitting there at $9,300. Boise State, Dagan Hart and Stanley both have incredible ceilings. One of them tends to go off. Good luck figuring out which one it is. Arizona and Colorado is a game that on paper looks like a decent game to stack until you go back and look at game logs and see that the last time these two teams played, you know, it was 50 to 97 in favor of Arizona. They almost doubled them up. Um, And so there's nothing really you can go by off of that. And, and really with Colorado, they became a tougher team to target when they got healthy, when they got Cody Williams back because now their usage is a little less condensed. K.J. Simpson is still their guy. I think he is very intriguing. And I think Cody Williams is pretty intriguing as well, taking on Arizona. On the Arizona side... Look, we know what they're about. It's, you know, the the enigmatic Caleb Love, one of the bigs, Ballo and Johnson, tends to go off. Larson will have games every now and then where he goes off when he puts up a lot of peripheral stats. Um, And then Boswell and Lewis and and Bradley and Krivas are just kind of like supporting pieces. So, um For the Arizona side, I do think you can play multiple pieces from this. I do think this would probably be the best game stack, but I'm not super interested in it. An 8K forward that I love on this slate is Maxime Reynaud of Stanford. So Reynaud is a high upside guy. We've seen him with multiple 40 fantasy point performances this season. And USC is a team that is not good against bigs at all. In the last game against them, um, he could not stay out of – oh, no, I'm sorry – He didn't have foul trouble in that game, but he only played 23 minutes, which is not what we've seen of him lately. Um, And so Maxime Reynaud is a guy that I think has a ton of upside taken on this USC front court. Um, And, you know, the USC side, they're getting back healthier now that they have Ellis and Collier. And so I'm much less interested in the value on that side now that they've got Ellis and Collier back in the lineup. All right, that was eight quick minutes on the Saturday night slate. And so hopefully I was able to give you guys all the need-to-know information for this you know, jam-packed day of college basketball on Saturday, with it being a main afternoon and late night slate. So if you want to know more information from me, first on, you can reach out to me on Twitter, follow me on there as well. You can join the Fancy Corner Discord, link is in the description, and you can check out the articles on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. All right, y'all, it's Friday. It's been a long week. I'm exhausted. We just covered three slates. Make sure that if you like what you saw here on the video, if you like the format, let me know first off. But if you like what you saw on the video, please hit the like button. It helps me out a ton. I cannot stress that enough. And if you're listening on audio, please rate and review wherever you get your podcast helps me out greatly. And I do appreciate it. Now, like, that pretty much does it, y'all. Hopefully I was able to get you guys the information that you need um, to win here on this Saturday slate. I'm exhausted, so I'm going to go ahead and go to bed now. So um, thank you guys for watching and listening to this point. Best of luck to you on a Saturday. Subscribe to the channel. That way we can hopefully see you back here for the Sunday slate and more after that. And uh, thank you guys for watching and listening. Hope to see you next time.